Today we will have an exciting lesson. The word of God will tell us that the world, this world, this earth, will end in a tremendous nuclear blast. And of course we will have the practical application for us as Christians how we should live in the light of such a future. We just have entered the year 1970 and we are wondering what lies ahead of us. I remember, you know, when we just had New Year, I remember those days 30 years back as a young boy when I was just following those books which were very famous in Germany by Hans Dominik. He wrote a lot of things concerning the future, and I read one book after the others, and in his books he dealt with events around the year 1970. And as a young boy I felt, oh, this is so far. You know, he wrote a book like the Atom Weight 500, I don't know if it is ever translated into English, and the War of the Nations, where those, uh, he, had, he had, didn't have any knowledge probably about Bible predictions, but it was tremendous how he developed those things. Happenings in the year 1970, I read them as a, as a young boy, and now we are here, 1970. How true the words of Moses are, which he says in Psalm 90, we spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So how great and how wonderful in such a setting is it that we know where we are going that we know Jesus, our Savior. And especially now where we are living in those tremendous days of confusion, of rebellion, of violence, those last days, to know Him and to know the future, that we are in His hands. All our days are numbered in Him. He holds our time. It is so tremendous. So fantastic. Of course, we don't know if it will be 1970 that the Lord Jesus will come back. But we are in his hands. And this is so great and so wonderful. And especially when you talk to people about this wonderful salvation, you know, and they are so ignorant to the word of God. How do we praise the Lord in our hearts that he has opened our eyes, that we see and that we know. We see this again and again in visitation work. You know, uh, how people open up, where they in today invite us into their homes, where we can sit down and talk about salvation to them and pray with them. It is just fantastic. I honestly say I have never had such an experience in my life that by, day by day the Lord gives us people where we should talk to. We had our New Year's luncheon at uh, Steinway 
which is always at the New York Athletic Club and which is a big event. And uh, so far, I never witnessed there on that luncheon, but this year I prayed. I said, Lord, there are many people which I only see once a year because the whole company gets together. He said, give me a word. And the Lord just opened up. I don't know to how many people I was able to speak about salvation. Just fantastic. There was a, a dear Freddy, and uh, he just had a heart attack. Was home for months. Now he was back. And he was happy to have part in this celebration. And he is standing with his uh, drinking glass. And he's, uh, I said to him, I'm so glad to see you back. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm great. You know, this common talk. Well, I say, I tell you this, Fred. The greatest thing and the greatest issue in life is that you know where you are going. Looked at me, and he said, oh yes, I know where I'm going, you know, six, the six feet underground. He said, Freddy, did you ever hear someone say these words? I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Did you ever, someone hear this, saying this, I am the resurrection and the life. And he looked at me in surprise. He said, is that what you believe? Yes, I believe this with all my heart. He couldn't get over it. And many more. And yesterday I had a wonderful opportunity to talk to uh, someone of uh, our greatest uh, violent players of our time. I don't want to mention the name. I pray that one day he will uh, give his own testimony, which would be a tremendous thing for this world. But he is one of the greatest. And there is a story back. Once in a while I tuned for him and I had never had the opportunity to witness to him, but I met a dear Christian musician at Word of Life. Maybe this, during the summer you have seen him too, this little player, but who is uh, the concertmaster of um, Cincinnati Orchestra. And he is a real Christian. When he heard that I tuned for artists, he said, Franz, do you ever get to him? He said, yes, I do. He said, please witness to him. Franz, please witness to him. He needs it. He is a seeking person. And yesterday was the day. I had to go and to work. And the Lord opened up. It was just fantastic. A young, very gifted man, very rich, all over the world. He traveled with his violin and plays concert. And then he start talking about this confused situation where we are in today in America. Then of course this always gives an opportunity to bring the gospel in. And then he opened up and we spent hours. I was there till five o'clock in the afternoon. He didn't rest until he had found his own Bible, which he never opened. He said, for six years ago, I was a very a seeking person. And being Jewish, I went to the temple. And I took religious in instructions for almost two years. But they couldn't give me anything, and they couldn't give me any answer to my questions. So I quit there, 
And ever since, where I go, I go every Sunday to different churches to look for something and to find an answer to, our, to my problems. And no one has any answer. Do you feel that we, this tremendous burden, you know, this dramatic setting where we are in, that we owe the gospel of Jesus Christ to people. Do you feel this way? That people without Jesus are lost? And imagine how, how terrible I, if I just would have been timid and not open up. Oh, I can't tell you what we went through. From the Old Testament, he, he had questions, who is Jesus? And I showed him from the Old Testament who Jesus is, the Messiah. He said, why was he then crucified? And then we read together Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions, and I let him read. He had never seen those words before. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And we turn to the New Testament and we read the story of the crucifixion in Matthew, in Luke. Never seen, never heard it. It was so tremendous, I can't tell you. And then that he is coming back. He said, Franz, what does it mean, eternal life? You speak about everlasting life. I had to explain that to him. A never-ending life in the presence of God. He couldn't get over it. And then I said, Michael, I know you have a, one of the very rare and most precious instruments. May I see it? And he showed me his instrument, the worth $100,000, built 1625 by Guarneri in Italy. He paid a fortune for it. He borrowed money from many friends to buy it. Now it is bought, it is his own. And he let me hold it in my hands. Tremendous. And I said, Michael, do you know what? I said, there's something more precious than all the treasury of this world and greater than this violin. And I showed him Romans six twenty-three. That is the gift of God, eternal life, in Jesus Christ our Lord. He couldn't get over it. Now let us pray for him that he will open up. He will go to uh, the Jewish mission at 72nd Street now. And he said, I've seen this there. I never went there. I, went, I go to many churches looking around. He said, now I will go there. Tomorrow I will give him a New Testament, which he didn't have. And so it is so great. But do you feel this way, that you owe the gospel of Jesus Christ to people? He are living in the last days. And don't listen to their, uh, what they say. This is not true. They are, uh, when I think back how aggressive I was when this dear English brother gave me a Bible. I was very unpolite to him. 
I didn't want to listen. He said, what do you want to tell me? You are my enemy. You are an Englishman, I'm a German. But he just ignored it. He kept on telling me the things of the Lord. And the love of Jesus, which he had shown to me that evening, I never forgot. This brought me to the Lord. A year later, I don't know why he ever prayed for me, but he prayed a whole year for me until I came to know the Lord. So we don't know. We have to leave it with the Savior, but we have to witness, oh, can we, can I impress you with this, how important our days are? For the night is at hand where we can't do anything anymore for the Lord. How tragic if I wouldn't have told him the gospel. If I would have just done my job and say goodbye. Let us open our Bibles now and to Second Peter. And we will have a tremendous lesson. Let the word of God speak for itself. It is so fantastic. And when we read it, we will feel the impact of the word of God. And I pray that you feel it as never before. These are tremendous words. Dealing with our time. Speaking to your heart. And we will read the chapter 3. And let us read together from verse 10 to the end. Second Peter, third chapter, from verse 10. It says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth and also the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought he to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that he look for such things, be diligent that he may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also according to his wisdom given unto him has written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. He therefore, beloved, seeing he knows these things before, beware lest he also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to whom be glory both now and forever. Amen. 
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, now as we have read thy word and open thy word before us, Lord, we simply pray that you may speak through thy word to our hearts. Bless thy word and seal it in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit that we may live our days in the light of this tremendous future. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Lord Jesus is speaking to us this morning in a very serious way, very earnestly pleading with us that we may be found in that place and position where he has put us, that our relationship to him might be in order that he can use us. This is so important. It is such a tragic thing if the Lord brings someone in your way and he can't use you. He's not able to use you because his relationship, your relationship to him is not in order. It is a very tragic thing. Remember when we came back last uh, uh, year from Word of Life and I wanted to use a, want to use a spoon in the kitchen and I grabbed one and we had left a few weeks before in a hurry and I looked at the spoon, you know, and it was used for something I don't know, all crumbled and on it and uh, it looked awful, dirty, wanted to use it, couldn't use it. I wonder sometimes if it is so with our lives in regard to the Lord that he wants to use us so badly that we should tell someone and yet the time is gone the opportunity is gone he couldn't use us we weren't in the right position we weren't clean before him how tragic so this is our prayer this is the message of this morning that we may live in the light of this future of which we read here It is a tremendous lesson. Peter never could have spoken by himself those fantastic words. Imagine written 2,000 years almost back. How did he know that the world would one day blow up, would be dissolved, would melt with fervent heat, that it would be destroyed by fire? How did he know? Let me tell you, it is the word of God. It is the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. At that time, how could anyone know that a thing like that is possible? Today, even scientists are again and again referring to Peter's words here. That the earth will be dissolved by fire. And today we have no problem whatsoever to understand that this is possible. But imagine for a moment that all things on this earth will go. The culture, all the works of art, all the things men have worked for, sacrificed their lives for, 
Imagine how the communists are fighting. Idealists, some of them, sacrifice their families. For what? For nothing. Nothingness will be the result. <coughs> Michael's beautiful fiddle will go. All the things will burn up. The laws of man, all the books he has written, all the filth and the dirt it will go. Burn up. All the books written by great men of philosophy, thinkers, it will go. It means nothing whatsoever. All the churches with their statues, with their commandments, all the books which are written and added to the word of God, it will go. All the doctrines which the church, Catholic Church, for instance, had laid one upon the other, which they say are necessary for salvation, they will go. The only living thing and the only things by which we will be judged is the word of God. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. That is what Jesus says. Never forget when uh, some years back I saw the movie where on a huge iron steel tower they had fastened a, an atomic device which they brought to an explosion. And I never forget the few of this. You know that this uh, huge tower did not tumble over or fell in pieces. Nothing of this character. It just dissolved. It just disappeared in itself as if someone with his hands would go over it and it was gone. This is exactly what Peter says. It will be dissolved. Burn with fervent heat, an atomic reaction. Man today is capable to destroy himself. We have no doubt about this, the scientists have no doubt about that, but God will speak the last word. He will not let this happen. Let, just let us think for a moment of this tremendous and amazing technical uh, development which we had in the last two, three generations. In the days of Adam and Eve, when man was just here, fresh out of the hands of God, the fastest, the horse was the fastest means of transportation. And when we come to the days of Noah, when the Lord made a new beginning with a few people on this earth. It was still the horse, which was the fastest means of transportation. A few thousand years later, for instance, when uh, Pharaoh with his army ran after the children of Israel, the fastest means of transportation in getting his army there was the horse. 2,000 years later, Alexander the Great swept the world 
by an army on horseback. Still about 2,000 years later, the First World War, we see that there were thousands of horses involved. And I remember 1939, 1940 still, that the German army had thousands of horses when I was a young boy. Unbelievable, even in the Second World War. But today we would laugh at an army on horses, wouldn't we? What has happened? In the last two, three generations, we had such a tremendous technical explosion development as never witnessed by world's history before. What does this mean? What does this mean for man? Was man able with all the means on his di display to build a better world, a more peaceful one, a more secure world? Did he solve the problems of sickness, of sorrow, of suffering and death? No, he didn't, on the contrary. Today, fear, just naked fear, creeps through the hearts of the human race as never before. Fear for the things which will come upon this earth. And besides the danger of the outbreak of this Third World War comes the fear of famines, epidemics, of earthquakes. As Pastor said many times and referred to as scientists say today that we will have 1975 great famines on this earth. Unbelievable. 1980, every second person will die of cancer before his age, before his time, at an early age. There are several characteristics concerning the last days of which Jesus speaks about. Lawlessness will abound. We don't have to explain it. We all know how true that is in our time. We have read in First Peter that there will be those which will despise government. How true that is all over the world. How true. There will be inflation. We shouldn't get uh, be surprised about this at all. This is what the Word of God tells us. It will not get better. It will get worse. They will not get back to the 20 cent fare. will not be possible. It will get worse, much worse. There will be famines and earthquakes, epidemics, wars and rumors of wars. And Israel will be back in the land. And Jerusalem will be in the hand of the Israelites which happened in 1966. This is so wonderful to see this. And what about the church, the professing church of Jesus Christ? 
Well, Peter was full of it as we studied it. There will be false teachers. Many pulpits are occupied by false teachers. There will be false teaching as never before. In all that development, in all the achievements of mankind, man was not able and has shown that he is completely incapable to bring peace upon this earth. Why? Because he is a sinful character, because he is unregenerate. We have today enough nuclear power to blow the earth up again and again, many times. Man and this earth is on a collision course. We are on a one-way street where no return is possible anymore. This is what the scientists tell us today. You can't turn around. You know, like, uh, like let's say, like being in the rapids of Niagara Falls, you know. There's a certain point at the river where they say that it, from this point on, it is a river of no return. Anyone? falling in that river at that point will never make it to get out. And let me tell you, as far as world history is concerned, we are in the rapids already. No return. Impossible. We are on a collision course. Man in his madness will destroy himself. In Matthew 24, 22, the Lord tells us, and he speaks about our days, the days, the very days we are living in. He says, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. Here is salvation ought to be saved, survive. No flesh will survive. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Finally, the Lord himself has to interfere. Otherwise, man would destroy himself completely, wipe himself off from the face of the earth. But the Lord will interfere. I remember that one time I heard a sermon by Hyman Appleman, which we all know very well. He preached here. And one, one of his themes was one night why the atom bulb never will be used. And his argument simply was, if it would be used, there would be an atomic reaction of nuclear power which would destroy the earth. But the word of God tells us that it will never come to that. That the Lord has it in his hands and he at a certain time will say enough, will stop. The whole history as it is laid down in the word of God speaks about this. The Lord always had a few people to make a new start. Always. Even in Sodom and Gomorrah it was Lot which had to get out. And it was Noah and his people which were saved. The others were destroyed. And here about our days we read that for the elect's sake for this remnant, which the Lord always had, for the elect's sake, he will shorten those days. 
Peter does not speak especially about the rapture of the church, we know that the day of the Lord will begin with the first stage, which will be the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ, when he will come to take us home and when the tribulation will start on this earth. The essence of our text today is that we as Christians look at the world situation in the right perspective and in the light of the word of God. The, the earth has no future whatsoever. We should not hang our hearts on temporal things. May it be our houses, our cars, our boats, our education, whatever it is. We should not hang our hearts on it. They are important, very important, but everything should have for a Christian the right balance. And the word of God comes first, and the Lord should come first. We are called in verse 11, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought he to be in all holy conversation and godliness. This is what we are called to, a holy conversation, a holy walk. It speaks of separation, which is a lesson which many Christians never learned, which never separated themselves from the world and walked with the Lord. They think they can have both the world and the Lord which is an impossibility. When the Lord saved Israel, he had to take them out of Egypt on a special place that they should worship him. He could have done it, could have left them in, in Egypt and could have protected them there. He didn't do that. He had to call them out to a special place where they should worship the Lord. We are called out of this world. We never are able to witness to anyone unless our life, our life is different from the ones lived by the other people around us. If our life is not different from the other lives around us, then we better don't talk up for, for Jesus. So, and we are called to look up to a new heaven and a new earth. We, it says the righteous one, only the righteous ones will go in this new heaven and in this new earth. For it says, for in verse 13, nevertheless, we, we who are the we, the Christians, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Oh, how wonderful, how great. Praise the Lord that no one else will get in there. In world history, wherever man put his foot, he brought destruction, he brought hate, he brought bloodshed. And this new place, there will only the righteous one enter. Those which have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, 
which are the people of God. Aren't you thankful for this? Imagine the door would be open for anyone to get in. Again, man would bring his sinful character there, and soon it would be the same mess as we have now on this earth. So praise the Lord that he has done something, this great work of salvation. Only the redeemed of the Lord will enter there. No one, no one will be able to sneak in on his own way. No one. Oh, how wonderful. How great this is. We shouldn't worry about this. The Lord Jesus has the keys. Not Peter. Not Moses. You know, I never had the opportunity to witness to this great man, Rubinstein, and I prayed last son. I said, Lord, may it be now the time that I have an opportunity to talk to him. But he's an old man now, and he wouldn't listen. He said, uh, how can I lose? I can't lose. I'm a Jew. My wife is Catholic. I have a son-in-law who is a, who is the Episcopalian priest. So how can I lose? If Moses is there, he has to let me in. If Peter is there, he has to let me in, right? What can you say? What can you say? I remember way back when so seriously I spoke to my father-in-law about salvation and urged him to receive salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, Franz, why are you so worried about me? Don't worry about me. Don't worry. If there is a heaven, I will be there. I said, Father, do you know what you say? You know where you are going? As everyone else, we will die one day. They will lay us on the ground. Do you have by yourself the strength, the power, the authority to get up and to get to heaven and say to the Lord, here I am? Do you? He couldn't answer me. He couldn't answer me. No, we need someone. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh to the Father but by me. And it is only by the precious blood of Jesus. I am the door, he said. No one will sneak in. Otherwise, sin will not enter. It is an impossibility. An impossibility. Only the redeemed of the Lord will be there in the new heaven and in the new earth. Much more is to say about here again. We have an expression here which we find again and again in, the, in Peter's letter and says it's long-suffering. He speaks about the long-suffering of the Lord. And this is such a tremendous uh, lesson too. Very few people which hear the gospel for the first time will accept it. And here's the long-suffering of the Lord, which is so fantastic. Living in the last days of this earth, 
We are living the days of Noah. The world is corrupt and full of violence and rebellion as never seen before. And how patient the Lord is. How do we feel sometimes, you know, when we read the paper, you know, and uh, we hear something or we experience something. Oh, and we say, Lord, how can you take it? And here we see only the unrighteous things just around us, just a little bit of a circle, not much. We are so limited, aren't we? And sometimes we see something, a violent act or something, you know, and say, oh, Lord, how can you take it? And but think a moment about this wonderful long-suffering of the Lord. He sees the whole picture. He sees the whole world. And his love is so great. You know, this long-suffering is only motivated by the love of God. That no one should perish, but that all should come to knowledge and understanding of salvation. And this is so wonderful. That is the only reason why he still remains silent, but not for long. Then he will speak up, will stop the world, and will say, that's enough. And the door will be closed. But we are thankful that we have the word of God, and then we are admonished in the last verse here, that we should grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then it speaks in verse 17 that we should watch it, that we too may not be led away with the error of the wicked people in this world. False teaching. We have to be on the alert. We have to watch it. How can we do it? If we really spend time in prayer and in Bible reading. That is the only possibility to make it, to stay faithful until the very end and to live our lives in the light of the future as it is written down and laid down in the Word of God. That is the only possibility that we may stay faithful that way and that the Lord is then able to use us. There are so tremendous burdens in our time, in our church, around us. How can we, you know, just sit on television screens or read books and all this and that? I don't want to say that television is evil. You know, if I would put a list down, things which I would do, if I would have time, maybe I would put there after my prayer, Bible reading, my daily work, I would put there maybe reading a good book or watching a little bit of television. I never come to it. The only book since I am a Christian which I fully read from cover to cover was Brother Andrew. I have not the time. I don't want to say that anything that all the things are bad but we should have them in the right order. We don't have time because we don't time, take time to pray, to pray. It is so wonderful, you know, if we have a prayer life with our Lord and talk to Him constantly, walk with Him while we work and talk to Him while we go about our business. 
then he will be able to use us at the very moment he wants to use us in order to bring the gospel to other people. So let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful word. Lord, so much more is in it. So great is the impact of the word of God, O oh Father, that we sometimes tremble under the power of it. O oh Father, help us that we may see the whole world situation in the light of your word, Lord, and that you are able to use us, Lord. We would pray for this and bless us now today, Lord, as it is the Lord's day. We would pray, Lord, that you speak through thy word to us and all what is done, may it be done to thy honor and to thy glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.